Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, Sarah Jane here. It's that time of year again where we are gearing up for a break between season three and season four. With that in mind, I have compiled my favorite episodes from season three for you to check out right now. I know that doing a daily podcast means that episodes get lost in the mix sometimes, and I want to make sure some of these really get a chance to shine. So I am entering into the holiday season with so much gratitude for all of you. Thank you so much for being here. And if you are looking for real-time content, I'll still be posting a new episode every Monday through the month of December, walking through, reflecting on the year, and planning for 2023. Enjoy today's episode. Hello friends, happy Tuesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today we are talking family of origin and the Enneagram, but first today's rosebud and thorn. Mm, We're going to start with thorn today because the rose relates to it. Um, Here's the thing, I just had like a weird meditation session this morning. I was doing a meditation on tapping and it was all kind of about stress relief. And if you have done a lot of tapping meditations before, a lot of times they'll start with what the negative emotion is. And then it kind of gradually comes to a natural conclusion, leaving you in a a better state. Like you kind of go from saying, I'm really stressed, I'm really overwhelmed and kind of honoring those feelings to eventually kind of going, even though I'm stressed, I choose joy or even though I'm stressed, I love and accept myself. Well, today was just one of those days where like everyone seemed to be more active in my home than they usually are when I'm meditating and there's a lot of clanging and banging and I just could not get in the zone. So I paused my meditation. I was like, I'm going to go to another room and try and like do this over again. But then the meditation got closed and I couldn't get it back and it was like more frustrating to have tried to meditate and not be able to, to have then to have not even tried at all. Like I was in a worse state afterwards. And my rose is that I had a really good conversation with my husband about this over coffee. Um, and he was just kind of talking about how he holds it lightly. Um, one time I walked in on him meditating and I was making a lot of noise. And afterwards I was like, man, I'm really sorry that I was being really loud. And he was like, well, I wouldn't be very good at meditating if it bothered me that you were loud. And that was such a sweet way to think about it, but I'm not like that. (laughs) 
I'm just not like that. And I compare myself to him sometimes, but in the conversation, he was kind of talking about like holding it lightly. And I think in general for me, it's best to just meditate when I know that I won't be disturbed. But that's kind of hard because the times for that at our home are not very often unless like everyone is still asleep, which is when I try to do it. So I've thought about like maybe I'll meditate in my car, which I have done at times, but honestly, I'll forget. <laughs> like I always forget. But anyway, I think in the meantime, I like the idea of just holding it lightly and not taking it so seriously and being willing to laugh at it and honor the sounds that are coming, but not hold them, not try to like wish them away, but accept that they're there. Um, I'll let you know how that goes. My bud is that we have people replacing the windows on our apartment right now, which has been a little bit stressful, but I'm really excited because the weather is getting warmer and I'm just really looking forward to the first day this spring that I can open those windows, get a beautiful cross breeze going, put on some music and like water my plants. And it's just going to be like, to me, that is the best day of the year. The first day that I can do that best day of the year. All right, let's talk family of origin. This one's tough. You guys, there's a lot of pain here. Um, and it's not always as one-to-one -one as we may think, like, this causes this. But, and I honestly, like, went back and forth on how to approach this episode. But here is what I've decided. I want to share with you the common childhood wounds for each type, how they impact your relationship to your family of origin, and then a tip for reparenting yourself. If you're not familiar with the concept of reparenting, I will explain that in more detail when we get there. But... First, let's talk about childhood wounds. The most common question I get about childhood wounds is if they were formed in your childhood or if you're kind of born with them. I'm of the belief that we are predisposed to be sensitive to our childhood wound, but you know, it's the age old nature versus nurture question that I don't think anyone has an answer for. In fact, I'm not really that concerned about it because the formation isn't truly the concern. Either way, this hurt you at some early stage of development, and that's what we can focus on. Like, this was a source of pain, and, and we know that, and we can look at that. So I'll run through the most commonly accepted childhood wounds for each type, and then we'll keep on rolling. So for type one, it's growing up too fast, feeling like they had to take on too much responsibility much too soon, kind of being like a little adult. Type two, the belief that they needed to sacrifice their needs for the people that they love, or the idea that they were most loved when they were helpful. And this can kind of stem from a lack of feeling loved unconditionally or even being recognized for the things that you do. Type three, learned that the path to love was through their achievement. Now, that could be because their parents prioritized achievement overall, or because Maybe you were acknowledged otherwise and you learned that you could get the attention or the acknowledgement that you wanted if you were winning. Type four, they experienced an early childhood abandonment that they blamed themselves for. Uh, an example of this, a type four that I know experienced this in childhood, they were homeschooled and their parents said, I'm gonna have to send you to public school because you're too difficult to teach. 
And so that's that kind of implanted the message in this kid that there's something wrong with them, that they're the problem, and that that's the reason their parents are giving them away to this other school. Type fives, they either neglect where the five learn to rely on themselves. So maybe their parents were neglectful and the five had to kind of become self-reliant or kind of the opposite. There's like a sense of intrusion or hovering that caused the five to want to retreat into their privacy, leaving them to kind of find refuge in their own mind either way. Today's podcast is brought to you by OMG Yes. Oh my God, yes.com is a website with findings from the largest ever research study into women's pleasure. In partnership with Kinsey Institute researchers, they asked tens of thousands of women what made their pleasure better, solo and with partners. And then they found the patterns in those discoveries, the physical techniques, psychological techniques, and all that wisdom is organized on omgs.com as super honest videos, animations, and how-tos. One thing their research found is how easy it is for us to lose our curiosity about pleasure and intimacy. So many of us think things like, I've already got techniques that work for me, I'm good. But finding out what works for other people can help you find new things you didn't even know you or your partner liked. There's always more to explore. OMGS is for women, men, and couples. Some think it's only for women, but it's actually relevant for anyone who wants to learn more about women's pleasure. Here's the thing, friends. I'm going to be totally transparent with you. When I got married to my first husband, I was a Christian. I was like super religious and I did not know how to talk about sex. I didn't know how to teach them about sex because I didn't know what I needed. It was an absolute journey and I was so much more shy to talk about it than I am now and I wish that this resource had existed for me and my partner at the time to talk about these topics that can be a little bit nerve-wracking to share. I think every woman and every man who likes to date women should be on this website. It is amazing and it's the sex ed that we always needed. I've used OMGS a lot and it really does feel empowering to see these experiences and techniques detailed so openly without any blushing or shame. What they're doing is long overdue. Go to omgyes.com slash egram for a special discount. That's omgyes.com slash egram. Thank you for the work that you're doing, OMGS, and for supporting the podcast. Type six is kind of an unpredictable or unreliable set of expectations by those in authority. So they seek to, to create their own security, seek to create their own predictability by analyzing and trying to understand what could happen in the future. For sevens, it's a lack of nurturing um, or a realization early on that no one was going to take care of them and that if it's gonna get done for them, they're gonna have to do it themselves. Type eight, there's often an early betrayal or a loss of innocence, um, kind of learning that only the strong survive. And type nines, the message they received is that, is that it's better for everyone if you weren't here. Um, they may feel overlooked or not included or like the room is already stressful enough. So if they speak up, it's just adding to more stress. So with this, 
uh, as our childhood wound, we may find ourselves reverting to this when we engage with our family of origin, kind of playing more fully into that role as we maintain the family system. So for type ones, they may find themselves feeling responsible for the logistics. Type twos may struggle to set boundaries and take on too much responsibility, kind of becoming the primary caregiver for their parents when they get older, things like that. Type three, you know, they may seek to constantly want to impress their family, spend more money than they have, go into debt so that they look like they have it all together, not ask for help. Type fours can kind of end up in a push-pull relationship with their family, kind of deeply needing the acceptance of their family of origin, but also not liking the way they make you feel about yourself. And so kind of going back and forth between I hate them and I need them, I hate them and I need them. Type five, kind of retreating to avoid invasion. Type six may have a complicated relationship to authority, either being overly loyal or playing devil's advocate. Type sevens, they're gonna wanna stay positive at all costs and can often ignore the trauma of their childhood, pretend like it didn't even happen. When they get into the situation with their family of origin, they may find that they're seeking fun, fun, fun at all costs. They may kind of lean into some addictions that they have or even just drinking or shopping, things like this as a preparation or an escape for spending time with their family. Type eights may power up and kind of put on a strong armor, hiding their weakness or even picking fights. Type nines may make themselves small, easy to get along with, hiding their needs and their preferences. So how do we manage a loving relationship to ourselves when we're faced with the triggers of our childhood wound? And that's where we focus on reparenting ourselves. If you've never heard of reparenting before, it is simply the act of giving your adult self what you didn't receive in childhood. So here's some simple ways to do that by type. Type ones, it's all about play. You know, finger paint, go on spontaneous adventures, get dirty and messy. Let your childhood self be the kid, play and feel light. Type two, um, as they say on Schitt's Creek, <laughs> take a selfish. Um, a two that I follow online even made her word for the year selfish and I'm in full support. Um, you know, do what you need to do for yourself. Give yourself a day to just do whatever you want to do for yourself. Um, another practice for twos is simply saying, I love you to yourself or thank you for what you're doing. Giving yourself that love and acknowledgement that you craved as a child. Even for me, I do this all the time on the drive to work this morning. I just kind of put my hand on my stomach and was just like, I love you. No matter what happens in your life, no matter who comes and who goes, you will always be loved. And that's just kind of that space of holding the idea that you're okay, you are loved, no matter what happens. Type three, I want you to do something you know you'll be bad at and feel miserably, or potentially just do something that has no purpose or no clear goal. And in that moment, tell yourself that you love yourself in the midst of, of exactly what you think you're not allowed to be. <laughs> and remind yourself that you're proud of yourself for making the choice to do something that you're uncomfortable with or not do anything at all. For type fours, remind yourself that you're good, that you were a child and you deserved unconditional acceptance. 
and then offer that to yourself. Maybe write down some things you feel shame for or tell a trusted friend so that you can move through that shame. Type five, simply ask for help, especially with something small, something you feel like is trivial to ask for. Um, let people support you. Type six, create a strong sense of self-trust through intentionally forming a relationship to your intuition. I recommend this all the time, but for sixes, I love the idea of having an intuitive drive, just getting in your car and not having a plan, saying, do I want to turn left or do I want to turn right? And just making a decision each time as you go, listening to your body, what it feels like it wants to do, and see where you end up. Type seven, accept your full range of emotions. For me, like I talked about in the beginning, when this goes well, EFT tapping can be so helpful for this because you're able to honor that emotion, but also not feel like you're gonna be trapped in it. Like you're able to say, even though I am really sad today, I fully love and accept myself. And it lets you to really honor that emotion. Another simpler practice is simply to name it, like anger, jealousy, fear, betrayal, <laughs> you know, just name it so that you can really recognize it for what it is instead of trying to avoid it or distract yourself from it or run away from it. Type eight, um, I spend time with animals or children just some, somewhere where you feel like you get to be soft and light and playful, where you don't have to be the strong one. Type nine, I really think it's helpful for you to spend time outside of your home alone, getting comfortable with what you want or need. Even more, if you want to like take it up a notch, bring a friend along for a selfish day where you kind of both agree that it's all about you. You're going to be uncomfortable with this, but every decision, it's all for you. Everything that you want to do, everything that feels fun to you and kind of bring them along as like a accountability buddy even like as a support to encourage you in that but not put pressure on you acknowledge that it's going to feel really uncomfortable you might get emotional because this is, might be really intense but that also it's okay because they love you and let them love you when you speak your mind but if you're not ready for that you can do that for yourself you know love yourself through it Tell yourself that your needs are valid, that the things you desire are valid, that you're worth the time to get to know what you want and what you need. Well, friends, I hope this offers you some support as we close our series on love in different forms. If you've enjoyed this series or the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or review today? Five-star ratings really help me out, and it's a great way to just say thank you for putting this together for me to enjoy for free. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.